0: so we're going to begin this series on the presence of God uh, by talking about two different aspects of God's presence, all right? Uh, first of all, the conscious presence of God, and then second of all, the unconscious presence of God. So uh, during most of the study, during most of this study, we'll be talking actually about the conscious presence of God, which refers to those moments when we are conscious of his presence. That's what that means, that we are conscious that he is present with us. We're conscious that his spirit is moving in our lives or moving in a, so it may be in your own devotional time. It may be in your life. It may be going, how many have been going down the road and you felt the presence of God in the car? So it may be riding down the road, listening to praise and worship music, reading your Bible, talking with somebody else. It may be Or it may be in a service, maybe in a worship service or church service or uh, that you are aware. The key is the conscious presence of God um, refers to those moments when we are aware that God's presence is with us, okay? Um, And so for most of the study, we'll be talking about that, about the conscious presence of God. And, And so... To set that up, how are how are we made aware? How do we know that God's presence is is with us? Well, uh, first of all, we we may see some evidence of His presence, some evidence that His Spirit is with us. And so, for instance, we may we may witness some spiritual manifestation that that lets us know that God is present and that He is. Uh, in in a service, for instance. So the Bible actually describes some of those, and we'll be talking more about some of those manifestations of the presence of God as we we go along in this study. But let me just highlight a few of them briefly. For instance, number one, uh, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're Pentecostal, and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit... Are, are things that we can see, and when they are in operation, then we assume and we know that God's Spirit, His presence, is with us. So, for instance, um, the Bible talks about prophecy, and when a word of prophecy goes forth, then we, we know that as an operation of the Holy Spirit. Or words of wisdom, words of knowledge. When someone gives a word of wisdom or somebody gives a word of knowledge, then that is an evidence that the Holy Spirit is present. Or tongues, when someone gives a message in tongues, or when someone interprets a message in tongues, those are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they they, uh, demonstrate, they're manifestations that demonstrate that God is present with us. Or healings, or miracles, all of these are operations of the Holy Spirit that indicate that God is, is with us. Uh, So there's gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, uh, when we're talking about manifestations that we can see and that confirm that God's presence is with us, there are uh, human reactions to the presence of God. That, for instance, in a worship service, we can see a human reaction to the presence of God and it demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is, is with us. So uh, we see these things in our church sometimes: uh, shouting, people shouting, raising your hands in a worship service in response to the presence of God, uh, dancing, weeping, falling down. Uh, you know, all of these are these are things that the Bible talks about that are manifestations uh, that we can witness, and uh, by witnessing them, we uh, we understand that God's presence is with us. Some, sometimes those manifestations can seem uh, strange uh, to us and we're going to have opportunity to talk more uh, about some of those manifestations of the presence of God in service. But the key here is is to understand that these are human responses to the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in a service or or in our life. These are not these are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are, those gifts are separate. But these are human responses to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus kind of gave us a, um, an analogy that helps explain how, how our human responses to the Holy Spirit works. He said the Holy Spirit blows like a wind. You can't see the wind, right? He, he said, but you can see where the leaves move, where the wind is, is blowing. And that's kind of how... The human response to the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to see that the Holy Spirit is present. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but we see the effects of the Holy Spirit. So we see some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So that's the second way that we can witness and see that the Holy Spirit is present. Uh, but then there's a third way. There are even sometimes physical phenomena that sometimes accompany the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, for instance, when Jesus was baptized, remember the Bible says that the heavens opened and the Spirit descended like a what? A dove, right? And so the dove, it was a physical uh, phenomena that actually pictured the presence of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Bible says that there was a what? There was a sound. What was the sound? Like a rushing mighty wind. And there was also uh, cloven tongues of fire that appeared over each one of the disciples. And so those were, those were actual physical phenomena. That um, And in another instance in the book of Acts, when the, when the church was together and praying, uh, it says that God refilled them, baptized them again with the Holy Spirit, and the whole place was what? It was shaking that they were in. And so there are also physical phenomena that um, bear witness to the presence of God in our life or in our church. So those physical phenomena, maybe they're less common, but but they do occur. They can occur. I've read stories of revivals where um, it looked like people have passed by the church and they've said that it looked like the church steeple was on fire because there was a physical manifestation, bearing witness to the presence of God uh, operating in that church. So uh, those are three ways that we can see and know that the Holy Spirit is present in our lives or in a particular situation, gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the human responses to the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and occasionally physical phenomena that actually occur that bear witness to the presence of the Holy Spirit. But beyond those fi- uh, visible um, things that we can see, uh, we may also be aware of the presence of God because we feel his presence. We have the sensation of feeling God's presence uh, in our life. Or as I said, you know, it may be in our individual prayer time, it may be in a worship service, in a church service, that we feel uh, his presence. And so, uh, how many of you, you've ever felt the presence of God yourself? How, anybody willing to uh, describe how you feel when you feel the presence of God? Yeah, Lisa? Lisa? Uh-huh. Okay. how many have that in common? You've you've had that happen before too. You've been to the presence of God and the tears just start uh, rolling. You start feeling tears. All right, anybody else you want to explain? Yes. I thought joy. Joy, that's right. Yeah, laughter, laughter. Yeah. I it just like really deep and it just That's good, good. All right, somebody else, yes. That's great. That's a good description, yeah. You, you feel the, the rush, the energy, and you just feel joy, you feel good. Anybody else? Sometimes, you know, as Pentecostals, we'll say we get the uh, Holy Ghost goosebumps, right? You feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps going up and down your spine, right? Or it feels like your hair's tingling. You know, if you have hair, you feel uh, hair tingling on your head or standing up on the back of your neck. And so uh, you know, So there's a lot of ways that we describe feeling the Holy spirit right the sensation and and lisa you're right it is different for different people you know it's uh, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, when he moves on different individuals they may perceive it uh, differently they may feel it differently but um, you may feel something in your heart you know some people uh, testify to the fact that their heart starts you know beating faster and so they can feel their heart starting to Pump harder. You may sometimes. I sometimes. It can even feel it in my stomach. You know, you feel uh, similar to feeling butterflies. You know, in your stomach, Uh, the way you felt when you first fell in love. You know, with that special person. You know, you feel it in your stomach. So there's there's all there's different kinds of sensations, and and we perceive the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in different ways. But the key here is uh, that that we uh, are able sometimes to see the presence of the Holy Spirit through gifts of the Spirit, through responses of people around us, um, or through physical phenomena. But most often we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're aware that the Holy Spirit is present with us because we feel uh, His presence uh, with us. So each one of those, in, in, in those situations what we're talking about, is the conscious presence of the Holy Spirit. That we are conscious that the Holy Spirit is among us. That we're conscious that the Holy Spirit uh, is, is with us because we see or we sense His presence with us. And those are wonderful experiences. However, here's the reality, and we talked a little bit about this um, last week. Uh, but here's the reality. The reality is is that there are fewer moments in our life when we see or sense, have that sensation of the presence of God in our life. There are fewer moments in our lives like that than those moments when we don't particularly feel His presence or see His, His presence. Um, it, there are moments when you're driving down the road. I was on 40 the other day, and so... Uh, traffic was moving slow, <laughs> very slow. I don't have, usually I have to drive on 40 early in the mornings like that when it's when it's rush hour like that, so it was just bumper to bumper. And, but I mean, I took advantage of it and turned on, uh, had a podcast and listened to some preaching and some praise and worship, and just right there, you know, I felt the presence of the Lord. Thank God for it. Amen. But having those there was other times when I've been on 40, and I haven't felt the presence of God at all. <laughs> Are y'all with me tonight? Yeah. Good, I'm not alone on that, right? So, uh, so, so there's a lot of times in our lives when we're not feeling uh, the presence of God. And, and in those moments, that's what we're, we're talking about tonight, about the unconscious presence of the Holy Spirit. Because that doesn't mean that he's not with us. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's not present, present. It just means that we don't see him or that we don't sense his presen- uh, presence with us. So when we don't feel his presence, it does not mean that he is not present with us. Even if we can't see some evidence or we can't sense some feeling that he is, he is with us, it does not mean that he is not. How do we know in those moments that God is with us? We can't see him. We can't sense him. Well, there's a couple of uh, couple of ways that we can know that he's with us. Number one is because we know that God is is omnipresent which means that God is everywhere at all times that there is there is nowhere that he is not I hope you brought your Bibles uh, tonight I want you to open them up if you would to Psalm 139 Psalm 139 we're going to read a couple of passages uh, a couple of verses of scripture here. In Psalm 139. and Then I'm going to ask for some volunteers to read a few more verses as well. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So in other words, David is saying there's nowhere. You created me. I'm your creation. There's nowhere I can go that you are not there also. Can I have some volunteers that will read some uh, verses for me tonight? You have to be kind of quick on the draw. Uh, So all right, Mark, you look up Jeremiah chapter 23, all right? And hold on to it for just a second. Somebody else who will will read another verse for me, all right? Sean, you read Proverbs, or turn to Proverbs chapter 15, all right? And hold on to it for just a second. And then one more, somebody else, send me one more volunteer to read passage for me, all right? Keith, 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. All right, Mark, you got it? Jeremiah chapter 23, verse... uh, Verse number 24. Yeah, Jeremiah 23, 24. You got it? Go for it. You got to read it loud, so speak up. Mm. Good. Nowhere can a man, uh, no one can hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see. I feel heaven and earth. There's nowhere that you can go where you are not in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. All right. Sean, Proverbs chapter 15, verse number three, Proverbs 15, three. Good, good. How many of you, your parents used to use that verse on you and said, "God's watching you, whatever you're doing." <laughs> and it's true, He is. He says His eyes are watching the whole, world, watching the evil, but He's also watching what? The good. He's not just looking at, looking at us for evil. He's looking at us uh, when we're doing good as well. So God's eyes are constantly upon us. All right, and then uh, Keith, First Kings chapter eight, verse number twenty-seven. How much less this temple I have built? All right. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. So God, God can't be contained. I mean, you know, we come together to worship the Lord here in this church, but God's not contained by these walls. He's with us on Monday morning when we're on 40, right? And we're going to work, and the people person in front of us is cutting us off, right? God's with us at all times. So omnipresence means. That God is with us at all times, everywhere, God is pres- whether we see him, whether we feel him, sense him or not, God is present with us. So we know that God is with us because God is, the Bible declares that he is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. Second of all, we know that God is with us, even if we don't see him, even if we don't feel him, because Jesus promised that he would never leave us and that he would never uh, forsake us. Okay, I need somebody else, a couple other people to read a couple of passages for me. So somebody else, two other people. All right, Don, Matthew, look up Matthew chapter 28. Hold on to it for just a second. And then somebody else, I saw a hand back here. So Lena, Hebrews chapter 13. All right, Don, you got Matthew 28, verse number 20. Matthew 28 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right. So Jesus said, as the Great Commission, when He's given the Great Commission, He says, You go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've already taught you, and I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now Hebrews, Lena Hebrews 13:5. Hebrews 13:5. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So even if we can't see God, even if we can't sense his presence in our life, uh, he is with us. Amen? That's what God's word declares. So that's what we mean by the unconscious presence of God. That God is present, although we may not be conscious uh, of his presence. Although we may not be aware of. Of his presence with us. And that's what happened to Jacob in um, Genesis chapter 28. So now everybody turn to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to read a few verses in Genesis chapter 28. So, what happened to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28? In Genesis chapter 28 beginning in verse number 10 it says Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran and when he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set uh, he stayed there that night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold there was a ladder set up on the earth and on the top and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place, Bethel. But the name of that city was Luz at at the first. So who knows why Jacob was on his way from Beersheba to Haran? Anybody? Why was he? He was running from his brother, right? Uh, He was was actually fleeing from his brother Esau who was plotting to kill Jacob. And why was Esau going to kill Jacob? It's because Jacob had Cheated in, in Esau's mind, he had cheated him out of his birthright and his blessing. Both of them had uh, taken those things away from him. Jacob, the Bible says, was a deceiver. And in fact, that's what his name means. It means supplanter or deceiver. Um, and yet, God loved Jacob. In fact, R.T. Kendall described him in that chapter, first chapter as a scoundrel who was loved by God. Doesn't that give you some hope tonight to know that Jacob was a a scoundrel, he was a deceiver, he was a supplanter, and yet God loved him. Can you say praise the Lord? Thank God uh, that in spite of what we may have been, God still uh, loves us. And so he was a scoundrel that was loved by God, and he arrived at Bethel, this place, this certain place. He arrived there tired, scared. He, was, he feared for his life, and he went to sleep that night with a stone for a pillow, uh, not very comfortable, uh, and he was unaware that God was with him that night, right there. He was fleeing from his, his brother. He was tired. He was scared, but nevertheless, God was with him. God was with him in that moment, and, and in fact, that moment would become a pivotal moment in Jacob's life, and, and not just Jacob's life, but actually it was it was a pivotal moment it was a key moment in the fulfillment of um, God's eternal purposes including the promises that he had made to Abraham and including the the uh, future birth of Jesus Christ uh, that covenant was confirmed right there uh, in Bethel although Jacob was unaware at the moment that God was present with him so there was the key is uh, there there was a There was a lot going on in that moment. God was accomplishing a lot in that moment, although Jacob was unaware uh, that God was with him uh, in that moment. Just because he couldn't see God, just because he couldn't sense God, uh, his presence didn't mean that God was not present with him and that God was not looking after him. In fact, God was with him. And God God was at work inside of him, even if if the activity of God was outside of Jacob's perception. Even if he didn't realize it initially or understand it completely, God was present and God was working in his life. So likewise, there are moments in our life also where we may not see God, we may not sense God, we may not know what God is doing, what he's up to, Nevertheless, we can know this, God is present and God is at work in us. Bethel, in fact, represents the unconscious presence of God in our life. And it illustrates how we we ought to learn to honor God's presence in our life. Whether we can see it or whether we can sense it or not, we, we can know that God is with us because He's promised he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. In fact, R.T. Kendall says, God deserves as much glory when he does not appear uh, as when he does manifest himself overtly. His unconscious presence is as real as when we feel him. I mean, it's the same God, amen? Whether we see him, whether we sense his presence and know uh, that he is present with us, or whether we do not, is the same God. His presence is just as real. In fact, R.T. continues, he says, Therefore, we must not panic when we don't feel God's presence. We must not give up when we feel nothing. For when we feel nothing, God is at work. And when we don't feel his presence, he is there. Learning to recognize this and honor such a moment, uh, we have to learn to recognize this and honor such a moment, no matter how long it lasts. And how many knows that can sometimes be a challenge for those of us that have been conditioned to expect to feel God's presence. Um, uh, as Pentecostals, you know, we we love to feel God's presence. Amen. We love to see God's presence in operation uh, among us. So sometimes we are because we are conditioned to see his presence and to feel his presence. If we're not careful, if we don't feel his presence, we don't see his presence, we're tempted to believe what? God's not here. Where's God? What's what's going on? He must not have shown up this Sunday. He must have forgot about me uh, today. But how many knows whether we see God's presence, whether we feel God's presence, we know that God is with us. Amen? That he is moving, that he is operating so we're conditioned to uh, experience God in a certain way and if we don't experience him in that way we're tempted to believe that he's not with us and, and occasionally we may also be tempted to think that if we don't feel his presence or we don't see his presence we might be tempted to think well what's wrong with me why don't I why don't I feel God's presence why don't I see some activity uh, in my life but Jacob's experience, illustrates to us that even in times of adversity and even in times of danger, even when we're frightened or scared or tired or weary, how knows that God is still with us and He's still working in our lives? That's what Jacob illustrates here: is that even, even when things are going in a direction that we don't understand, we know that God is at work. In fact, the Bible is clear that there are some things that God can only do in our life through trials and through tribulation. We don't like to hear that. I mean, that's that's tough. (laughs) Uh, But but there are some things that God can only accomplish through trials and tribulation. In fact, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we we all like to feel the joy of God's presence when we feel his presence in our life. But James says, count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulation because it doesn't mean that God's not with you. It means that God is actually doing a particular work. Uh, in your life. Somebody once made the observation that during tests, uh, the teacher usually remains silent. Um, And that's what James says that trials and tribulations are in our life, that they are testing us. And so we may not be able to see God, we may not be able to feel His presence in times like that, but we can know that He is present with us and that he is working in our life to bring about a greater good, a greater glory uh, in our our life. We we all like to repeat, when I was preparing uh, for tonight, I was thinking of Dr. Cookman, and how we all like to repeat what Dr. Cookman used to say. What's happening is not what's going on. Remember? What's happening is not what's going on. We like to repeat that because it reminds us that, God is with us, and God is working in our life uh, on our our behalf, even even when we can't see him, even when we don't understand exactly what's going on, we don't know why what is happening is happening to us, we can still affirm that God is, is with us and that he is working on our behalf. And so when we understand that, then we can begin to rejoice Even if we don't feel God's presence, even if we're not seeing it, even if we're not sensing it, we can still rejoice. Or again, as Dr. Cookman used to say, we can praise God in the middle of it, right? No matter what's going on, we can still praise God, even if we can't see him, even if we can't sense his presence, because we know that he's with us and that he's working on our behalf. And that's what Paul means in Romans chapter 5, when he says in Romans 5, We rejoice in sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And there it is. The Holy Spirit is given to us because why? Because God loves us, and because he remains with us and is working in us, even during those times when we're scared or lonely or going through trials, tribulations, when we can't see him or we can't sense him or we're scared or we're in pain. Uh, Just as he was with Jacob, even though, although Jacob was unaware of his presence, didn't know what God was doing at that time in his life. God is with us. And that's why Bethel represents a place of of hope for us. That even when we can't see him, even when we can't sense God, we know that he's at work in our life and that he is with us. R.T. Kendall says, Bethel symbolizes the manner in which God shows up when you feel absolutely nothing Bethel symbolizes the God who will never, never, I'm adding a few nevers to the, his quote, huh? but the God who will never, never, never leave us. Aren't you thankful for that? Well, many years, you know the story probably, many years after Jacob had fled from the land of his fathers to escape his brother, the Bible says he returned 20 years, I think it was, later. He came back uh, to the land, and he returned richer, he returned uh, wiser and he returned finally ready, willing to surrender his life to the will of God. And you remember, he had a wrestling contest with God. God changed his name from Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, changed it to Israel, right? Uh, so God changed his name. And eventually, God told him, told Jacob to go back to Bethel, to return to that place where he had first laid his head as he was fleeing from Esau. So Jacob obeyed, and this is what the Bible says. This is Genesis chapter 35. Jacob obeyed God, and he told his family this, Let us arise and go to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So Jacob returned to Bethel to affirm what he could only see in hindsight. Remember the first time he was at Bethel, he said, what? God was here and I didn't even, didn't even know it. God was here and I, I was unaware of it. And now these many years later, he comes back to affirm what he could see now in hindsight. I'm going to go build an altar to the God who answers me in my distress and the God who is always with me. Probably you've had those kind of experiences as well that went through a time, place where you couldn't feel God's presence. You didn't know exactly what God was up to. You couldn't see him or sense him. But on the other side of it, maybe a, a month later, maybe two years later, maybe 20 years later, you're able to look back and you're able to say what? Just like Jacob said, I see. God was with me all the time. He was right there with me. And that's what Jacob does when he returns to Bethel. He goes back to say, I'm gonna I'm coming back to affirm that God answers me in my distress. God is always with me. And aren't you glad that God does answer us when we cry out to him? Even listen, even if we don't see immediate results, and that's what we want, isn't it? We want we want immediate results. But we can know this, that even even if we don't see immediate results, even if we don't sense God's presence, we know that when we cry out to God, He answers our prayers, amen? And so God answers our prayers, even if He doesn't answer the way we think He ought to answer, even if we don't see immediate results, we know that God is with us, and He's working on our behalf. We can trust Him, and we can know that God is always with us, wherever we go, even When we can't feel Him, even when we can't see Him, we know that God is with us. Amen?